Good morning, Promisers. You guys glad to be in the house of God this weekend? Great to see you. Welcome to everyone from Anderson to Blunt and all campuses in between our internet campus. And by the way, <clears throat> welcome again, Faith Promise, our God Behind Bars campus, Bledsoe County Correctional. We are honored. We're honored that you guys are there, and, and, and it's just a privilege for us to be with you guys, and we believe God's going to bring revival there. We believe you guys will be transformed. You will never, ever, no, never, never be the same, and so we're, we're thrilled that you're with us. Welcome. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, by the way, I just want to brag on you. You know, I, I pound you every now and then because I'm a love preacher, but, but <laughs> last weekend, Super Bowl, man, you guys killed it. Record attendance for that weekend. Usually, a tennis drops off, the momentum is chaotic, and it is flowing, and God is at work. You know, you watch the Super Bowl, and they give a trophy, the Lombardi Trophy, but last weekend, trophies were given out that will last forever. Paul said that we gave, amen, give him praise, that's right. The Apostle Paul said, those that compete in this earth compete in the games, compete for a wreath that is perishable. But we compete for that which is imperishable. Our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. People were saved. Lives were changed. It will never, ever, ever be the same. Before we dive in the Word of God, let me, let me just ask you a couple things. Number one, Fusion begins this coming Friday, 1,200 students and adults. So I want to really ask you to pray. Pray for the speakers. Pray for the host homes. Pray for all the adults that will have your students. You know, come on, pray for them. And pray that God will move to such a level that our next generation will be absolutely just flush with revival. That God will move, that our schools will be transformed, and this congregation will be transformed, that every culture, because it is unbelievable what's going on all across our campuses of student ministry. Even in Campbell, Anderson, record attendances and student ministry. And so our team has never been better. So pray for Pastor Zach, all of the student team, all of the folks. It's going to be explosive, which will lead to a record attendance next weekend. I believe it for 7,500. There'll be so many students that we've had to divide at Pellissippi and Blunt and others, the, the middle school and the high school. If we brought all of them in, which is the typical of last service at Pellissippi, even the overflow in this room couldn't handle them all, so we're having to break them. Same at other campuses. So we're excited about that. Orange training, our training for our preschool and children, it happens five times in America. It's some of the best stuff. Please don't miss it. If you miss it, you'll hear it was great. I'm already, man, teams from all over the southeast are coming, kids' teams. It's going to be explosive. You want to sign up for that, get connected, get into that. One other thing, on the 5th of March, we have small group training, and, it, and so all of our current small group leaders, but listen, we need 50 new adult groups. This is what I believe. I'm believing for 17,000 people on Easter weekends. Anybody believe that with me? So here's the deal. With that, I believe we'll see 1,000 people saved, 500 people baptized. Now, you don't have a kid and leave it at the hospital on the steps. You bring it home. So the, the, we disciple people through our small group ministry. There'll be 1,000 people that'll need a group. And so some of you guys, God is tapping on the shoulder and the heart to get involved. Take your communication card and say, hey, I want to I sign me up for a small group training or go to our next steps area and say, hey, I'd like to talk about pastors, you know, hey, man, 
Let me know what it would take, and maybe, maybe you know, I could do that. And we'll be ready for the harvest. It's too late to get ready for the harvest after the harvest has happened. Does that make sense? So it's March the 5th, that training. It'll be unbelievable. And, and, and we're in a, our, our theme this year is without faith, it's impossible to please God. It says in the book of Romans, speak to those things that are, that are not as though they are. Two issues that we desperately need God to move on. One is our Campbell County campus. If you've ever been to Campbell County, it's a dark place. In fact, God spoke to me this week. There's a principality that, that resides over the Campbell County that is hindering the work of God. There hasn't been a growing church over there in at least 25 years. The, their, their average per capita income is half what it is in Knox County. It is a dark place, number one meth county in the state of Tennessee, number two child abuse county in the state of Tennessee, and we need God to do a work. And so we speak to that principality at Campbell County that is hindering the work of God. Your days are done. You are numbered. We're going to see revival. God is going to move. God is going to set it free. So come on, somebody in the house. Mountain, you know what Jesus said? Speak to the mountain. He didn't say talk about your problems. He said speak to your problems. You tell that mountain to jump of the heart to see. We have another mountain that's, that's facing our body right now, and that is we cannot find a location for our North City campus, our Loudoun County campus. We've been everywhere. We cannot find. And in Jesus' name, you are going to release, and we're going to have a great space and a great place for the grace in that county. God is going to move, so it's going to be released. We're going to receive that. Does anybody believe that with me? Come on, somebody. So that's the deal. All right, that's just sort of what's going on now. We finished the Love Is series, and we're going to talk today about the Greek word eros. We get our word erotic from it. It's about romantic love, and so we've talked about agape love, the healing power of God the first week. Last week, we talked about phileo, brotherly love, being a community, loving each other, loving everyone. And this week, let's take the third Greek word, which is eros, which again is romantic love. And let's be real, not only our culture, but every culture, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, has clamored after love, romantic love. They've camped out, desired it, wanted it. Would y'all agree with that? It is everywhere. It is all over. All the way back, you read the Bible. People that wanted love, that didn't feel love. People that fought for love. It's just everywhere. But this is the deal. When we think about eros, our, our romantic love, this is the deal. I want to show you this. I want you to get this because it is critical. The world has painted the wrong picture. The world has painted the wrong picture. We've let Harlequin romance... Playboy, Penthouse, and Ashley Madison paint for us romantic love, and it is a lie. Young adults, everybody, but especially our students and young adults, if you will let me speak to you as a spiritual dad for a minute, we will set you up for success and not for failure. You will learn, as a matter of fact, what many adults, when this older, folks my age and older, who wish they would have known 20 or 30 years ago, it would have saved them from an absolute train wreck, because this is what this world has done. This world has set us up for a failure. The Bible says that the devil is the little G-O-D of this culture, the prince and power of the air, and this world is set up to function without God in opposition to God, and it has set all of us up for a failure. This is what this, what this world says about love. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Say, bring it. Bring it. I'm, ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to, hear. I'm ready to heed. I'm, ready to I'm about to be transformed. 
Here we go. This is what the world says. It's all about me. I want to be loved. Somebody come in and sweep me off my feet. Somebody love me. Somebody love me to make me feel better about me. Somebody love me so much it fills the void in my heart. I'm going to get married and have all the sex that I want to have. That's for people that have never been married. So I'm going to get married and somebody is going to meet all of my needs. I'm going to get married and I'm going to live happily ever after. Isn't that what Walt said? And by the time we are six years old, embedded into our psyche, Prince Charming will come and wake us up with a kiss. Cinderella will walk onto our dance floor with her glass slippers. Rapunzel will let down her hair in the tower. The little mermaid will grow legs and climb up on your ship, and the tramp will always find the lady. So, <laughs> tried so hard not to laugh there. See, and again, by the time we are six or seven, we don't even know it, but embedded into our psyche, driven into our dreams and desires, is this that is what will happen to us. Again, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to have sex every night. Or the, that's always the man, by the way. Or the woman, the woman who says this, I'm going to get married, and he's going to meet my every need. See, he's going to treat me like he treated me while we were dating. Wrong. Dating is lying. <laughs> Nobody acts normal when they date. That guy took a shower. Every time before he picked you up, he cleaned up his F-150 pickup truck. Now you've been married, there's french fries so old they can be used for nails in the floorboard of that same truck. Doesn't brush his teeth, he leaves his underwear, leaves, you know, shaves his beard, looks like somebody has skinned a field animal in this bathroom. They didn't do that when you're dating. No, because people lie when they're dating. See, a guy gets married and he thinks it's over. He has bagged and tagged his wife and hung her over the mantle. The woman gets married to believe he's going to keep dating me until we die, until we put our same teeth in the same jar. No, no, he's done, ladies. He's done. He's after a yeast. Now he's out after a career or something else. Are y'all with me? And so what happens is we have a train wreck because of Amos 3.3. Amos 3.3 in the New American Standard, which is what I always use, says this, do two men walk together unless they made an appointment? I love the King James Version. I memorize it in this which says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? The word agreed or appointment can also be translated betrothed. This verse speaks of expectations. How can two people walk together unless they're going in the same direction? How can we walk together unless we've made some agreement and appointment that we have the same expectations? Does that, does that, does that make sense? So we get married with unrealistic expectations and we have a train wreck. Do you may know what I'm talking about? And so what, what's the deal? See, what we have to realize is the bedrock bottom line of the Bible, and that is this. We were all born broken. All of us were born in need of a Savior. All of us were born with a bent to sin. We were sinners by nature and sinners by choice. Would you all agree with that? If you don't, you've never had children. Because once you had kids, you understand. They came sinners by nature and said, they're a blessing. I got all that, but come on. You have to teach them how to do wrong. You got to teach them how to do right. Because see, wrong is standard equipment because it's our heart. And so we've got this heart that, that wants what it wants. And it believes it's all about you because it's broken. That's why we desperately need Jesus. 
And so we get that the world's like that, but for those of us that have bowed the knee to Jesus, we should be different. Would you all agree? Is that, is that true? We ought to be living the Word of God. Is that right? So I want to challenge you. If you're listening, say, I am. Take Jesus home. What a lot of us do is we come visit him in the house of God. We believe he lives here. We visit him in worship. We go home, and I guess he plays the drums all week. I'm not sure what he does. Maybe he listens to worship tapes about himself while we're gone. No, take Jesus home with you. Take Jesus into the bedroom. Take him into every relationship with your family. Remember, he invented sex, and he invented love, and it's good, and he knows how it works best. Does that make sense? Man, sex is not a dirty thing. It's a beautiful thing that God created. Playboy's made it, you know, Ashley Madison's made it, made it vulgar. Again, we, the world paints the wrong picture of romantic love. Anybody want a great marriage? Anybody want a supernatural marriage? Anybody want to have great sex? Come on, it's Valentine's. I'm trying to help you, Bubba. Work with me here. <laughs> Dang. I had a guy stop me in an earlier service and said, hey, man, my wife was cheering at you, said, who wants to have great sex? She didn't say anything. I said, you know why? He said, well, I said, because she doesn't think he could get any better. He said, oh, I feel better. <laughs> now, I fibbed a little. Okay, come on. I know that might be one of the big ten, but, I, you know, I just try to encourage him. So if we're going to have love, or if we're going to have biblical love, let me tell you one of the key bedrock principles of biblical love, and that is what? Selfless. We hate selfless in a selfish, narcissistic, self-centered society that's all about me. It, and now add to it our fallen nature. Add to it our desire for somebody to love me and meet all my needs. It's all about me. Listen, listen. When it's all about you, it never works out for the other person. So as you're driving your desires and you're getting all that you can get and you want everybody to meet your needs, especially your spouse, hey, it never works out for them because they're always in last place, not first place. Does this make sense? Is anybody, is anybody listening? So here's the deal. You cannot love well. If you missed last weekend, get the message. We're commanded to love, a new commandment that I give you, that you love one another. You cannot love well and be selfish. Because selfish by nature, the focus is on you, and love by nature, the focus is on them. So you cannot be selfish and love well. Now, I understand the world thinking it's all about them, and I understand people saying, hey, meet my needs. But when we get to the house of God, the people of God, we ought to be different. Because we bowed our knee to Jesus. We surrendered our rights and our privileges and our ability. We surrendered to him. Is that right? And so this is the deal. you got to take Jesus home. And let me give you a key principle found all the way through the scripture, especially in love. The key, one of the keys to the kingdom is this. It's all about what? It's all about what? It means putting others. Let me get my Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, before I get ahead of myself. Do what? How much? From selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, that doesn't mean thinking less about yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. See, with humility in mind, regard one another as more what than who? Let me ask you a question. Is that one another your spouse? Okay, I heard a grunt. I'm not, I, I can't enter. Is that one another your spouse? See, I'm going to give you verses that we don't think about in relation to marriage, but they're so applicable to marriage. Remember, you've got to take Jesus home. It's easy to hear the word. It's not easy to heed the word. It's easy to listen to the word, but it's not easy to walk the word. Does that make sense? So you're to consider others as more what? 
Then who? That means you put your spouse first. What place you put your spouse? What place? How do I do that? Galatians 2.20. I have been what? If you've been crucified, are you alive or dead? You're dead. I have been crucified with Christ. When he died, I died. It is no longer I, me that live, the old Chris, selfish, narcissistic, sinful, all about me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. Take Jesus home. It's no longer Christ, it's Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this natural realm, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what is the goal? How do I love? Every day I get up and I say, Lord, crucify my flesh, my desire, me. Put, make me think of others as more important than me. Help me put my spouse's needs before my needs. Help me put their dreams and desires before mine. I crucify the old nature. I crucify Chris and Christ can erupt in my life. Is anybody with me? So you want to live and love well. This is the greatest key to victory in the Bible that I've ever seen. And it rolls right into marriage. Somehow we think it's apropos, but not when it comes to marriage. Ephesians 5.18, once you've been crucified with Christ, you know, I get drunk with wine. If you are drunk with wine, you have surrendered or yielded to the spirits. Not the Holy Spirit, but the spirits. Is that right? You are under the control of alcohol. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, this word is a present, passive, continuous word. It is the right now. It's present. It is passive because the action is done to you. You are not the one doing the action, which is active means you do it. Passive means it's done to you. It is passive, but it is the continuous. You are to be filled over and over and over again with the Holy Spirit. Every day, God, crucify my flesh. Every day, God, fill me. I yield. I submit. I surrender to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Have control. The only way for me to be obedient, the only way for me to love today is crucify Chris and let the Holy Spirit have total control over this vessel. Is anybody with that? It's the only way. I'm going to get a little deeper in a minute. Go to verse 20 and 21, same chapter. Always giving thanks in all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Listen, if you would spend more time thanking God for your spouse instead of complaining about your spouse, your marriage would immediately get better. If you're, if you're having a troubled marriage, let me encourage you every day when I know you're having a quiet time. I know you're on the Bible reading plan. I'm sure of that. I know you're spending some time journaling. You put down a Thanksgiving section, and you begin the Thanksgiving with all the reasons you're grateful to God that God gave you that spouse. But most of us fill those blanks up with complaining about our spouse. Is anybody, is anybody hearing me? And so we get critical and negative, and we complain, and we, so then we go where we focus. Instead of focusing on the good things, we focus on the bad things, and then we lose love, and then our marriage is gone. Is anybody with me? Train wreck. Why? Because we put our needs over their needs. We begin to focus on the negative. Give thanks to God in all things, even God the Father. Be subject to one another right here. So we're, this is two verses after Ephesians 5.18. This is Ephesians 5.20. Were we told to be yielded to the Holy Spirit? What were we? So one of the things that will happen is we'll be subject one to another. Is the another your spouse? Is it? So listen, quit boasting and jumping up and down about you're big and bad and you're the ruler, you're the king. The Bible says that if you are surrendered to the lordship and to the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you are going to be mutually, mutually submissive one to another. 
Instead of arguing for your rights, why you ought to be supreme, why it ought to be your way, why you're the smartest, the fastest of everybody in the house, you will willingly surrender and submit your rights and your privileges to someone else. And when you do that, I'm telling you, God will fill that house. Now, we don't like this because there's not an amen. In, I couldn't buy an amen. I hope at Blunt County, or is anybody amening at Blunt County because they are dead at Palisipi? Come on. Go on to the next verse, verse 21. For the husband is the head of the wife. Now, there's an order. There's an order. As Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. If you just keep reading, it's what it says, men. Love your wife so much that you will give your life for her, that you will say you have what, that, that she's been washed clean, that she is holy. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you don't honor your wife, God, won't, uh, God will not hear or honor your prayers. And so here's the deal. Man, what do we do? We, 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 even though we, there, is, there is an order, listen, we're mutually submissive one to another. We're not lording over. You know, Jesus said the Gentiles lord their authority over others, but it is not so among you. Is, it, is, anybody, is anybody with me? Is this how we walk? It's how, it's, how, it's how believers are supposed to roll. It's how we roll. Now, look at, let, let me give you another thought. The key to a great marriage Honor your spouse publicly and privately. The key to a great marriage, honor your spouse how? And privately. Publicly and privately. Honor your spouse. Now, I want to give you, some of you guys are going to, are you going to fight me on this, but that's okay. You can be wrong. Here's the deal. You You put your spouse's needs first, and your needs will be met. You put your spouse's needs before your needs, and your needs will be met. Well, you don't know my spouse, preacher. See, when we come back, it's preacher. You don't understand my, you don't know if I, if I put their knee, man, she'll take everything. He'll take everything. I'll be left alone, man. There's no hope. You don't know my spouse. No, you don't know the word of God. Because the Bible says, amen. The Bible says you reap what you sow. And if you sow selfless love, it's going to come back. Are you with me? But listen, it's not that I trust your spouse, it's that I trust God. That's why I can make that bold declaration. Now, let me just be honest with you. Been married 32 years, been walking with Jesus for 34 years, and probably, if not the greatest, it would be the second greatest regret of all of my Christian life is this that when I got married, I dishonored Michelle. I grew up in a home of dishonor. I grew up in a home of abuse and vulgarity and screaming and cussing by some dads, my mom never, but, but, but by, by some stepdads, and that's what I learned. And so and let me tell you how stupid I was. I was so stupid that I used the Bible to prove that it was all about my needs. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm dumb as a stick. I got no problem. Listen, I got no problem with that. Thank God for grace. I don't know about y'all, but, man, I'm so grateful for grace. So grateful. And so, and so it, was, it, was, it was about me. I was critical about everything about Michelle. Some of you guys and some of you wives are the same way I was. I was critical about everything she did. I picked everything apart. You know, she grew up where her mom took care of everything, and, and, and I grew up, you know, a lot of times the oldest, so I would clean the house, and, you know, I'd come home, and she'd say, that's clean. I said, no, it's not. No, if you'd have cleaned the house, this is what you'd have done. You'd have moved the couch. You'd have vacuumed. You'd have cleaned these baseboards. Let me show you how to clean a house. Wasn't that loving? What an idiot. 
idiot. That's when we slept butt to butt that night. Y'all ever slept butt to butt? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about then. It was negative. I was harsh. I was argumentative. I was critical about everything that she did. And here's the deal. That's how I grew up. But listen, after you're born again, you don't have your history as an excuse because we have the ability to overcome every generational curse, all the DNA downloaded by you from your earthly parents. No matter what you grew up in, you can walk in the victory of the Lord Jesus if you want to. If you want to. So that's what I was. That's what I did. Somebody's saying, God, what a jerk I was. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Let me tell you what Michelle did in response to that. She loved me selflessly and sacrificially. And when I said it's all about me, she said, you're right, Chris, it's all about you. And when I wanted to fight, she wouldn't fight back. And when I grabbed her complaint, she said, I'm sorry. All she did was respond to my negative criticism of love and affirmation for me. Man, every, Chris, you're doing great. Chris, you're this. Yeah, Michelle, I can't believe. Yeah, Chris, she responded to my negative, critical, horrible attitude with selfless, sacrificial love that ultimately, after between, somewhere between year 10 and year 15, ladies, between 10 and 15, it began to produce a crop in my, in my broken heart. One day, a little, little piece of grass bloomed, and then another piece, and another piece, and then a flower came out, and Michelle had sown seeds of sacrificial love in me so long that it has finally produced a harvest that she lives a blessed life now because my number one goal as a man of God is to honor my wife above all other people. <laughs> honor her. Honor her. So what is so? Let me tell you something, guys. What has happened to Michelle when when that atmosphere? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that she didn't leave me in those early years, and that that in that atmosphere, as it changed from criticism to encouragement, when it changed from argumentative to "I love you, sweetheart," when it changed from negative to positive. Let me tell you what happened. Michelle began to blossom as a minister. Michelle began to blossom. She became our worship leader back. We had one campus and a couple of services. And then we expanded, expanded. We're at five services. And we added another campus and another campus and another campus and another campus and another campus. And I know of no other worship leader that can make sure there are six, five or six bands, five or six praise teams, five or six tech teams. And, man, she has built up hundreds of unbelievable worship leaders, especially the next-generation worship leaders. Man, she has poured into them. She has risen that. And I'm going to tell you, she could have never gotten there under my bad, sorry attitude. But when God finally took me to the woodshed and I realized it was two people in our bed and not one person, and her dreams have now become my desire, and I will honor her no matter I open the door for her. I do. Matter of fact, you know, I just hated to travel. I'm a homebody. I love my back deck with God. I love the upper room. I'd rather be home than anywhere. No lie, that's where I'd rather be. But Michelle, my wife, has bag, will travel. <laughs> Michelle is a party looking for a place to happen. I am a stick in the mud. She is a party looking for a place to happen. And so what I put in my growth plan three or four years ago, learn to love to travel because Michelle does. So I put in my growth plan. I mean, she, you know, Brad, our missions guy, will come say, Pastor, I need you to go visit these missionaries. And I look at Michelle, are we going? She said, you bet. I said, we're going. 
And I learned now to enjoy travel. Why? Because I honor my wife. And she loves it. And so guess what? She's the first lady of faith promise, and I will take care of her until we put our teeth in the same jar. I will love her until the day one of us is gone. Now, so I'm telling you, say, you don't understand, Chris. You don't understand how uncool my spouse is. You keep killing them with kindness. You keep loving them and honoring them even when they are unlovable and unhonorable. As a mature, spirit-filled believer, you have the ability to love those that don't love you back. Is somebody getting some of this? This is the deal. See, the world says, the world says, fight for your rights, fight for your needs. Fight for all of your desires because if you don't, nobody else will. But God says, I am crucified with Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about winning the battle. It's about surrendering to the battle. It's about making it about them and not about you. Remember the creator who taught us this, invented sex and invented love and invented, invented marriage. And he knows how it works best. Come on. <clears throat> Ashley Madison doesn't have a clue. Penthouse doesn't have a clue. Harlequin Romance doesn't have a clue. Walt Disney doesn't have a clue. Man, you want to read some good stuff in the Bible? You read the Song of Solomon. Man, it's all about sexting to your spouse. Bobby, you didn't know that was in there. You'd already been studying your Bible if you knew that was in there. Man, the Bible's got sex all the way through it, and it's good. God invented it. Come on, somebody. See, the old nature is about you. The new nature, man, being surrendered and yielded is about others. And when you are surrendered and yielded to the Holy Spirit, the Lordship of Jesus, it will produce a crop in you that will radically alter everyone. Look what it says in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, when you have the Holy Spirit, not just resident but president, not residing but ruling, when you have the Holy Spirit in your life and you every day say, Holy Spirit, take control, I yield. I'm getting in the right seat. Because in an airplane, the right seat is the co-pilot and the left seat is the PIC. And in my journal, I say, Holy Spirit, you are in the left seat. Take over. I surrender. I submit. Have your way. Love through me. Bleed through me. Minister through me. Chris can't do jack, but Christ can do all. So when you are full of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you the first fruit this produces what? Love, it just comes out of you. You can't stop it when the Holy Spirit fills you. It will, you will overcome a sorry past like I had. You will overcome bad genes. You'll overcome negativity. You'll overcome the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are already an overcomer. You're the head and not the tail. Come on. Love will flow from your house. Instead of waiting to go home, you will want to go home because the joy of the Lord is in your house. It's your strength. I can't wait to get home. You know why? Because the peace of God, the shalom of God. I love to go, man. I walk in. Thank God I'm here. Are you with me? Why? Because the peace of God, patience. I wish he'd have left that one out. But there's, <laughs> see, I still got some room to be filled. Are y'all with me? Any place you're not walking these, you need to be yielded and filled. Patience, kindness. Some of the meanest people I know go to church. Are you with me? If you're mean, don't tell people you go to faith promise. <laughs> don't tell them. Because why would they want to come here and be mean like you? It's a horrible witness. If you get more winsome, you'd win some. Think about that, Jack. Goodness. <laughs> Faithfulness. You'll be at church every weekend. 
gentleness, and self-control. Have you got an issue you can't control? Eating, diet, exercise, quiet time, lust, greed, porn. Is there something you can't get control over? Listen, if you'll yield to the Holy Spirit, you'll get accountable. You can get some self-control in Jesus' name. Why? Because myself was crucified with Christ. And this life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm yielded 518 to the fullness and control of the Holy Spirit. I am letting, is anybody getting this? Are y'all with me? It's a deal. It's what God wants. Hey, what would your house be like if all nine fruit, just a man, a crop, a crop every day at your house? Bring Jesus home. Surrender. Surrender. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you say, you know, Pastor, I'm going to use an old-fashioned Bible word. How many of you say, I need to repent? I need to repent this weekend, Pastor, because, I, I, man, I've, I've not been honoring to my spouse or to other people. I've not been honoring. You know, I, I just, I've not done it. You saw where the Supreme Court Justice Scalia died. There's the most venomous stuff flying from the right and the left right now. Just venomous. Jesus never spewed venom. He only spewed love. We are to be the loving people. Are you, are you with me? Some of you say, Pastor, I need, I need to repent. I, I really do. I need to love more. Come on, be honest. Hold your hands up. Come on. Hold it up. Hold them up. God, we come to you, the giver of every good and perfect gift. And we tell you that within our own ability, we, within our own self, as Jesus said in John 15, without you, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things. So God, would you baptize us, every hand that's up, would you baptize fresh with the Holy Spirit and with love? Would you let the fruit of the Spirit begin to absolutely erupt? Would you help us put others above ourselves? Would you help us put others' needs, especially those of us that are married, our spouse's needs above our needs? Would you flow? Would you rock? Would you move to such a level that, that people that don't know you, God, are drawn to this church because of the love of this people? Every single campus, everybody loved that walks in every door. So God, fill us with love, thrill us with love. We surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. We're taking you home. We surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, would you flow through us in a way like we have never experienced it. We believe it and we receive it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. And if you agree with that, you say amen. Somebody, come on, give him some praise in the house. Woo! Come on, God. Come on, God. Now, there are some people, listen, 7,000 people this weekend. In this one room, probably 1,100 people, there are some people. You cannot love well if you're not born again. See, we love God because God first loved us. And that love of God that exploded in us is the love of God that came through us. And that love of God of others, the reason we need to be in community, that we learn to love each other better. Just like Michelle taught me how to love, man, we learn to love others better. And so if you're not born again, you can't experience that. You can't give that kind of love. You, we come to God because we're separated. We need him. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus, if you're ready to turn away from your sins and you're ready to turn to him, turn to him by faith, then I want you to pray this prayer. We're going to pray this prayer out loud with you. So dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've blown it. I've screwed it up. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. I confess you as my Lord. You loved me. You came for me. You died for me. And you rose from the grave.
I put my faith in you. I turn away from my old life. Fill me with love in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Now listen, if you just gave, give him praise. If you just, if you just prayed that prayer with us, then, then listen, there's a card in front of you. If you'll just fill that out, drop in the offering box or take to the next steps, we'll help you. Uh, it, we'll, we'll just help you get, maybe you need baptism, maybe be in a small group. By the way, about every other seat, there's one of these you saw on the Faith Promise TV. Facilities, volunteers, sign up. You say, you know, Pastor, I can't play a guitar, and I can't really run sound, and I really hate kids, so I'm not working the kids' ministry. <laughs> but, but you know what? I can use my hands, and I can build things, and I can serve. Let me tell you, if you've read yesterday's passage in our Bible reading plan, which I know you did because you're still on that. When they built the tabernacle, God filled Bazzelli with great wisdom and the Holy Spirit to do all that work. And God has filled some of you men and women to be able to do those things. Maybe you can build, help set up, tear down rooms, all kind of stuff. Take that card, fill it out. Maybe it's parking. If it's parking, you need to be a little quick because some of y'all can't drive. You may need to dodge a little bit, you know, so that you get home that day. Repairs, construction, weekly setup. You can fill it out on the back, drop in the offering box. Or, or stop and talk to some of the folks in our four years afterwards. and Because you can't believe all it takes to pull a weekend off. And then throw another 1,100 students here in the middle of the week and all the other stuff that goes on. So if that's you, man, come on. You say, but I've only been here three weeks. Come on, jump in. The water's fine. You say, you know, I'm not, hey, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure about this Jesus stuff. You can stack chairs. You don't have a seminary degree to stack chairs. Come on, dive in there. Man, listen, you'll meet people, you'll love it. So fill that out, drop in the offering. Has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on. Now, next weekend we start a new series, unlike any financial series we've ever done before. This is the deal. We live in the poorest region in America. So we're going to do a series called Poverty, about the region in which we live. Do you know that a businessman outside of this region makes 30% more money than the same businessman in this region? Do you know that the household income is, is, is only two-thirds of that, which is or, or about three-quarters, a little less than three-quarters outside the Appalachian region? Do you know that we live in the poorest region in America? And do you know what we're going to do? We're going to learn to pull that spirit of poverty down so that God can bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Are you all with that? So, man, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Listen, Campbell County, 22,000 average household income, Campbell County. 22,000, because it's actually one, just a tad even closer to the poorest part of all, because the Appalachian region runs all the way down, but the poorest section is where we are. And so, listen, I want you to be back next weekend, bring somebody with you. Man, is God doing a work? Then get in it. We love you. Be blessed. See you guys next weekend. Walk in love.